You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So I done did the defensive tackles. I went to my consensus big board, grabbed 20, and ranked them. Here's the situation. Just not a big fan of the group. There's a lot that are fine. Um, I do have three that, you know, they're, they're good, I guess. I'm just not blown away like I have been in the past, certainly not like last year. Um, even some of the bigger names, uh, maybe some of it's stylistic, you know, I, I just, I, I look at defensive tackles similar to linebackers. You, you gotta be dominant. You have to dominate the person in front of you. And the way the NFL is going is they like the smaller, leaner, faster pass rusher types. And if you can do that, that's great. But if you're getting dominated, I just don't like you. It's maybe not the nicest way to say it. I, I don't super respect your ability to be in great defensive tackle in the NFL. And yes, that includes my opinion of Javon Kinlaw. I know that's unpopular these days. Same thing has happened with Ed Oliver last year. He's really fast. He's really athletic. Good pass rusher. Everybody loves him. He should be a top five pick. The Packers should, you know, give away everything to trade up to number one and get Ed Oliver because he's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Okay. But I also want to do a little something else. So it's going to be sort of a two-part thing. Because a lot of us have opinions this year, but not all of us. However, a lot of us that don't have opinions, don't have opinions, or opinions, or whatever else you might have or not have, did have some opinions last year. And again, I want to bring this up because we get super strong opinions. This guy's going to be great. He's going to be dominant. you got to get him. It's the most important thing ever. And then you actually look at the results, and it's like, eh, I mean, okay. So the first thing I want to do is flashback. And I should have done this with some of the other positions, but uh, we'll do this a little more in depth at a later time. But I at least want to look at the defensive tackle class just to get us up to speed. Because sometimes I make I say things and people get so mad. How dare you ever think that you're so wrong? And so just reminding you about some of the guys from last year, because we just forget. Once the draft is over, it's just now it's time for the NFL season. We don't worry about it. You know, we talk about Rashawn Gary because he's a Packer, but how many people followed up with Ed Oliver? How many people followed up with Montez Sweat, who's gonna be the greatest, freakiest pass rusher in the history of the world? He's so fast. Nobody does. We just forget and we move on. Sorry, I'm not going to let you do that. You're going to have to remember how wrong you were last year. Only because I don't want you coming at me with the scissors because you don't like what I have to say about a guy. Because you know with 100% certainty they're going to be the greatest ever. So that's it. We're looking at defensive tackles last year and this year. Hopefully it is a short day. You know I get a little rambly at times. Actually, you know exactly how long it is, which is the funny part. But uh, I'm tired. I got stuff to do, so... Make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Thank you very much to Terrace for jumping in on Patreon. If you want to support the show, you can do so for as little as a dollar per month, which is like nothing. We lose that much change in a given month. But you can uh, check that out at patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy. If you have an aversion to that, there are links to things like Venmo. Speaking of, thanks a lot to Matt for uh, the support on Venmo. It is mucho appreciated. It's German, and they use the same word for appreciated, so just don't worry about it. 
Anyways, let's take a break and talk about some of the big boys. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. If you are looking for something fun to do, how about this spring going to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training? we got 15 baseball teams all converging on to 10 stadiums within the Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona area. There's only one X in Phoenix. Common, common mistake. I know everybody's all up in arms about cheating and whatever else is going Listen, who cares? It's not your life. It's not for you to figure out. Your life is about figuring out how to enjoy your life. Let them worry about how to best entertain you. And one way that they're going to do that is they're going to meet you in Arizona. They're going to sign whatever stuff you want them to sign. Now, while you kick your feet up in beautiful weather, they can uh, hit a bunch of balls with bats. And you can just kick back and relax, enjoy the sights and sounds while you munch down on a gigantic hot dog. So do yourself a favor and go over to visitarizona.com slash springtraining. So first of all, let's start with a guy that I really, 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 really liked, and that's Quinn and Williams. I liked him a lot more than anybody in this draft class by kind of a lot. He was taken number three overall at six foot three, 303 pounds by the New York Jets. Now, he did miss some, some time, and he's a rookie. Obviously, some of these guys can turn some stuff around, but let me just say, not super great. The highest grade he received in a, in a game this entire year was Week 13 against the Bengals, who, by the way, have maybe the worst offensive line in football, and his grade was a 75. He ended the season with three total sacks. Three. His final grade at the end of the year was a 67, which is average. Number three overall pick. Freak. Dominant. Going to destroy everybody. Average. That's what he was. Average. How about Ed Oliver? We've never seen anything like this guy. Six foot one, 287. Granted, he's really, really small, but nobody cares because he runs like a linebacker. He's a freak. Went to the Buffalo Bills, man. They're known for their defense, just he's going to be an enforcer. He did not miss time. He played 47 snaps in week one. Ed Oliver was out there playing day one. Highest grade he received all year against the New England Patriots was a 77. Ended the year with six sacks. Overall grade, 64. So, less good, still just average. 64. How about Christian Wilkins? Another guy that a lot of people really like. I like him because of his personality. I wasn't as big of a Wilkins fan. But, I, you know, I mean, he's good. Taking number 13 overall. Played all year. Had the best one-game performance so far at 79. Still, nobody has an 80. I mean, in, in, in even any one single game, not one person even has an 80. That was week four against the Chargers. He ended the season with two sacks, overall grade of 64.4. Again, average. 
What happened? Most dominant defensive tackle class we've seen since forever. By the way, very weak wide receiver class, we were told. I've never seen so many rookie wide receivers do so well. We don't know what we're talking about. How about Dexter Lawrence? Dexter Lawrence is a guy that I liked a lot. At 6'4", 342, he moved pretty well. Dexter Lawrence actually did end the year on a pretty solid note. Now, only three sacks, but again, he's 342. That's not what he's really cut out for. His overall grade was a 76. He had one, two, three, four games with an 80 or higher grade. It was in the 70s in run defense, 70s in tackling, and 64 in pass rush, which isn't great, but again, he's 342, and that's pretty much what everybody else's overall grade was. So Dexter Lawrence was a pretty good hit. And again, I'm glad because I didn't understand the hate for Dexter Lawrence. But you know you know what it is. People like the Ed Olivers because they like fast, athletic, freaky pass rusher types. They don't like the big, dominant Dexter Lawrence types. I do. That's why I like Dexter Lawrence. Again, I was very wrong on the best defensive tackle in this class, but it's just the, the bias of these things and the assumptions that get made are silly. Jeffrey Simmons was definitely one of my favorites. He was probably my second favorite in this class. He went a little bit later because of an injury. There was also some off-the-field stuff that some people were worried about. But he did have one game. It was his first game in the NFL. He had a game in which he graded out at 90. But his overall grade was still a 67. Now, again, he's a rookie and he only played half the year, but 67. Thought this guy was a super freak. Maybe he will be at some point, but so far, meh. How about Mr. Jerry Tillery? Six foot six, 295. He's a pass rusher, man. He's lean. He's quick. He's getting after it. Granted, he struggles against the run, but he's a pass rusher. The best game he had, you know what it was? It was a 64. Jerry Tillery is one of the worst defensive tackles in all of football. Ended the season with three sacks, an overall grade of 34. How did you feel about Jerry Tillery coming into this? Just be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to... Just be honest with yourself. Those are all guys taken in the first round, by the way. There was a big drop-off. Nobody touched defensive tackles after that until late in the second round. Somebody took Tristan Hill. It was the Dallas Cowboys. He didn't hardly play. Ended the year with a 57. How about Draymond Jones? He was considered a first-round pick. I actually really liked him at first, but the more I watched him, I kind of didn't like him too much. Third-round pick. A lot of people liked him, right? 6'3", 281. He's a pass rusher. Yeah. Ended the year with four sacks and a 66 overall grade. I mean, come on, man. And by the way, this, this goes to what I told you about what your expectations should be for rookies. We assume everyone should be a freak, and we look at this draft class and we go, dude, Rashawn was, was like average. A little less below average, technically. He was in the 50s. Darnell Savage was good, but, I mean, he's not like a top 10 safety. You know, we got a guard in the second round who's technically a center who was good, but whatever. Jace, I mean, hardly even got on the field. What a disaster of a draft class. Dude, I'm, I'm just going down the line. Everybody's terrible. Everybody's just awful. Maybe some of them will become stuff. It's a good bet that some of those first-round defensive tackles are going to turn into something. But I, I just, I, it's about perspective. The number one perspective, as I go through my defensive tackles, let's not act like you know something because this is what happened last year, and I'd be willing to bet every single person listening to the sound of my voice right now was very wrong about the defensive tackles and was probably wrong about a lot of the wide receivers. It's not a real good wide receiver class. Dude, the wide receivers mopped the floor with the defensive tackles. Absolutely cleaned up. And if you can find me one person that said Dexter Williams would be the best defensive tackle in this class, just, you know... The next defensive tackle, Kalen Saunders, 6'3", 324, ended the year with a 54 overall grade. One of my favorite defensive tackles, Ronell Wren, ended the season with a 57. Did get better as the season went on, but 57, played about a half a season, didn't get a single sack. Granted, that's not his M.O., but still. 
How about Greg Gaines? You know who Greg Gaines is? You probably don't even know who that is. Fourth round pick by the LA Rams. You know what he ended the season at? A 74. Who in the world is Greg Gaines? Don't know. But apparently he's the one of the best defensive tackles in football, at least for the rookie class. Now it was only about a half a season, small sample size, but you know, best game was an 82.1 against the San Francisco 49ers playing nose tackle. After that, the next one drafted is Kingsley Kiki, six foot three, two eighty-eight. Massive disappointment from the Green Bay Packers, right? You know what his best game was? It was against San Francisco in the uh, championship game. His overall grade was an 81. His season-ending grade was a 65. Guess what? That's on par with every single first-round draft pick, except for the fact that he has games, individual games, that are better than guys like Quinn and Williams and Ed Oliver. So Kingsley Kiki did not perform very well, but he's at least doing as well as Ed Oliver and, and Quinn and Williams are doing. How's that per- for perspective? Another guy I really liked that was taken in the fifth round from Texas A&M, Dalen Mack. Played one game, got a grade of 50. Yay! So, I mean, if you go through, and I did, every single defensive tackle drafted, every single one. Two of them had grades in the 70s, not one in the 80s, not one in the 90s. This is supposed to be one of the best defensive tackle classes, one of the deepest classes we've seen. Again, six defensive tackles taken, I think, yeah, six defensive tackles taken in the first round. Two in the entire class had grades in the 70s. One is a guy that I couldn't find anybody that liked him, was Dexter Lawrence. Two is some other guy I already forgot his name in the fourth round. Again, might not be the situation next year, but just try to keep this context in mind. We get excited. This guy's going to be a freak. He's going to be amazing. More than likely, he's going to be really bad. And I could do this for every single position. Nick Bosa obviously was a freak. Kyler Murray was average. Quinton Williams was average. Cleveland Furl was bad. Devin White was terrible. Daniel Jones wasn't great. Josh Allen started off hot. Everyone was so excited. We should have got Josh Allen. He's a freak. He fell off. TJ Hawkinson didn't even hardly play. He was hurt. He had like one good game and then fell off and then got hurt. Ed Oliver's average. Devin Bush was decent. Jonah Williams was hurt. Rashawn Gary was below average. Christian Wilkins was average. Chris Lindstrom was average. Brian Burns, right? Remember Brian Burns? Everyone's so excited. We should have taken Brian Burns. He's a freak. He got like 19 sacks in the preseason. He did have three really good games. The guy had a, against Washington a 91 grade, against Atlanta a 90 grade, against Arizona in Week 3 an 88 overall grade. But you know what you don't hear about? How about his 39 grade against San Francisco, his 30 grade against Tennessee, his 46 grade against Indy, and the fact that he graded out at a 63 overall. Nobody talked about Brian Burns anymore after the, after the beginning of the year, and that's for a reason. He was average. Dexter Lawrence was good. Garrett Bradbury was kind of bad. Jeffrey Simmons was average. Noah Fant, right? Absolute freak. We've never seen anything like 51 overall grade. Let me read off the grades through week 7. 53, 52, 42, 57, 46, 47, 39. Guy was terrible. Horrible. Right? Think about think about all the hype for Noah Fant. And I'm not trying to ruin the fun of the draft. I understand part of the fun is like getting super excited. But part of the problem is people get so excited and they hear people in the media talk about can't miss... We've never seen anything like him. He's going to transform a, a, a thing. And then somebody comes along and they're like, nah, I don't really like him. And it's like, oh, how dare you? We've never seen anything like this before. Noah Fant is not good. By the way, got to be one of the worst pass-blocking tight ends in football. And I know you probably expected that. But when you add in that he's not a good receiver either, becomes problematic. Darnell Savage, you know what he graded out as at the end of it? A 68. It's technically average. Better than most of these first-round draft picks but still technically average. I mean, you, you get my point, right? We're, we're all the way through pick, what, 21? 
and we got one guy that was good. Oh, Nick Bosa, obviously, is an absolute freak show. And by the way, Nick Bosa is the reason why people are going to continue doing this, because everybody said that this would happen with Nick Bosa. The point is, though, it almost never goes the way people say it's going to go. Everybody that's in the first round, 90% of the people in the second round, people are going to say are freaks. Maybe, what, 1% are going to be actual freaks? Maybe in a good year, 50% aren't bad. Again, I'm not trying to ruin your fun. I just, I, you need to have some real perspective. I'm going to go back to having fun and being like, this guy's a freak. I love him. I'm, I'm going to do that. But you got to have that thing in the back of your head that says, this is all make-believe. This is just for fun. He's going to go to the pros and find out what good football players look like and is going to struggle. And maybe in a couple years, they actually will be really, really good because somebody has to be. You're going to have dominant players forever. Somebody's got to do it, and it's going to be somebody from this class. Maybe it's going to be Ed Oliver. Maybe it's going to be Quinnen. Maybe it's going to be Brian Burns. I don't know. wasn't this year, but maybe Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was one of the best running backs in football. Debo wasn't even taken in the first round. Second round pick by the 49ers. Why? Because, well, this wide receiver class isn't very good. Got taken after Hollywood Brown and Nikhil Harry. By the way, the Patriots are pretty good at this thing. They took Nikhil Harry. The guy's a bum. Maybe he won't be forever, but he kind of was this year. Nobody knows, man. Even teams have no idea. And that's, if I may rant for a moment, because I haven't started ranting yet, obviously. This is one of the things I don't like about how condescending some of these these draft people can be. You don't really know. Dude, nobody knows, okay? Let me play make-believe. If I want to go out and rank players, if I want to talk about guys that I like, if you want to start doing... Who cares? Explain to me the Oakland Raiders taking Cleland Furl at four. As they look down their nose at these media people who don't know what they're talking about. They don't actually know. These guys have an army of people to try to go out and determine and meet with and measure and interview. And they got secret service agents who are questioning them to try to get all this stuff. They got medicals. They're doing background research. They're doing private closed-door workouts with these guys. They still don't know what they're doing. So guess what? I'm going to tell you what I think. And sometimes I'm going to be right when everybody else was wrong. A lot of the time I'm going to be wrong when everybody else was also wrong. This is just for fun. This is not life and death. And there's no reason to get super worked up about anything. And anybody that wants to pop up, who, by the way, is probably going to be a a 16-year-old male just going by the the prototype, who, quote-unquote, grinds the tape. When you give an opinion, they pop up every time. I'm not at all speaking from experience, by the way. This is not happening. to. I'm not doing this because somebody annoyed me yesterday. This, This hasn't happened. I just know that it happens, and I see it all the time. People pop up with their condescending takes about how dumb you must be for thinking that. Everybody knows this. Yeah, everybody knows a lot of stuff. And they're wrong because nobody understands what the definition of no means. Nobody knows. Everybody thinks. 90% of the people only think what they think because they're told what to think. And guess what? When they're wrong, you're wrong. So if I'm going to be wrong anyways, I might as well be wrong with my own opinions. C.D. Lamb. I don't get it. And guess what? You know what's funny about C.D. Lamb? I told you I want you to show me why CeeDee Lamb's a good wide receiver. Not one person has done it. Some people came at me on Twitter. Fine, show me. Not one person has been able to do it. Again, I'm sure I'm going to be wrong and he's going to be a good wide receiver. He's going to go real early and whatever. That's fine. But don't tell me your, your garbage rankings when you haven't even watched the guy and can't even tell me what's good about him. You just rank him high because everyone else does? Come on now. Yeah, one guy tell me that he's got the best body control since DeAndre Hopkins, which is hilarious because I just got done reading that on another website. Almost as if they just completely ripped it off a website, having no idea what they're actually talking about. And even, and I, I said, I, I read that too, just never seen it. And that would have been a great opportunity for him to show me a bunch of clips and highlights of him having amazing DeAndre Hopkins-like body control. Nobody did it. 
So I, I love the draft, but there's a whole big fakery part of it that I just can't stand. There's a lot of people I really like and really respect because they're honest. The worst part of this is people who have no idea what they're talking about, who act as though there are absolute truths that must be followed. You must conform. You must do what everyone... No, you don't have to do jack. Rennell Wren went in the fourth round. He deserved to go in the fourth round. He was one of my favorite defensive tackles last class. You know why? Because when he hit somebody, they went backwards four yards every single time, and I like that. That's it. There's no other reason. He's a powerful brood of a man that's going to blow stuff up every time. It's same with... Uh... Same with Dalen Mack. Go watch Dalen Mack and uh, Rennell Wren if you want to know what kind of defensive tackles I like. They went late. They're not good football players. I assumed that would happen. But guess what? I don't care. I like watching them play football. So just the, the point is enjoy the process. Don't get crazy about it. Even PFF with their army of people, their advanced stats, guys grinding every single thing down to every single detail, they're still getting stuff wrong. So guess what? I'm very comfortable with where I'm at. You should be comfortable where, where you're at. And it's why I want to get all this stuff out there, because I'm encouraging you to, I want you to do it. Go watch him. Go get a favorite. Go put your stamp on some fourth round guy that nobody likes because he's your guy. And then I want you to brag about it to everybody. This is my guy. He's going to be the best in the NFL next year. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I love that. There was somebody in the uh, Facebook group when I was doing linebackers told me to go watch Willie Gay. I had to add him to my, I think it was Willie Gay. I had to add him to my list because he wasn't even in the consensus top 20. Guess what? I didn't care for him all that much. But he not only came out and said, Willie Gay is my guy, I think he said he's going to be better than Patrick Queen. My man! I love that. You're wrong. You're very wrong. But I love that. And, and actually, you might not be, because if you look at Patrick Queen and just ask the question, is he as good as Devin White? Probably not. What did Devin White put up last year? A 50 overall grade. Is it possible Patrick Queen just has one of those terrible years? And by the way, Devin White probably is going to turn this thing around. I have confidence in him. I like him. But is it possible in year one Patrick Queen goes out and gets like a 50 and Willie Gay comes out and gets like a 68? And if that happens, by the way, my man, I want you to go out and do a massive victory lap. I don't care if he's not the number one linebacker. Just go out and do it anyways because he's better than Patrick Queen or Kyler Murray or whoever. Not Kyler Murray. Kenneth Murray. I'm looking at the 2019 draft here. And the point is, this is more fun when there's a lot of people doing it. So I want as many wacky, random opinions and honest opinions as possible. But please just don't read what other people say and regurgitate it. Go grab 10 guys from a position, watch all of them, and the guy that just... I mean, you'll know. You'll know which one gets you. He's the one that, you know, there's some of these guys I'm watching and I end up just watching the football game. I forget I'm supposed to be watching someone because they're that boring. Other guys just captivate me from that first snap and the way they come off the ball, their their presence, the way they stand, the, the, the power that they have, the length of their... Just everything about them is like, dude, this is my guy. This is just my guy. That, to me, is what makes the draft fun. And then, of course, the actual draft, you get your guys, and then you start to try to fall in love. I'd be completely... I didn't like Rashawn Gary. I never wanted the Packers to draft him. I deliberately... <laughs> if you saw the live stream when we did the draft, I said, okay... Put your head down, because I don't want one of these things where there's some clip of me throwing a fit, and then he ends up being good, and whatever. I said, just start with your head down, and then if they announce something you don't like, your head's already in your hands, and then just take some time to process it, pick your head up, and just talk as though you're fine with it. That way nobody can say, look, he he got all upset. And when they announced Rashawn Gary, it took me a solid 5, 6, 8, 10, 50 seconds to pick my head up. I wasn't happy. But you know what? That's the other part of the process. You look into it, you find reasons to fall in love with it, and now I really do like Rashawn Gary. I don't know what he's going to become. I like that he's got the tools. I like that we got Mike Smith, who's a really good outside linebacker coach, edge rusher coach, to coach these guys up. He did a great job with the guys we have. He's got a great... All that stuff, right? That's another part of the process. 
This part is just go watch some guys and, and just absolutely fall fall in love with one of them in a totally masculine football kind of way. For me at linebacker, it's probably Kenneth Murray. I love Patrick Queen, but Kenneth Murray's a little lesser Patrick Queen, but is violent, and I dig that. Wide receivers, it might be K.J. Hamler. If I had to just pick one guy, it could be LaVisca. Really started to like LaVisca, but that's that's more cerebral, right? If I think through which one would I bet money on, the guy that when I watch him, I just, I just like, oh my goodness, I love watching this guy. It's probably K.J. Hamler. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to process it. Well, if you think about it, you know, Henry Ruggs, he's really fast, and if you, if you factor in this, he's probably going to... Forget that. K.J. Hamler, that's my guy. Because he's open. He's just always open. That's all I'm looking for. If there's a guy man-to-man with you, can you get away from him? And he always does. That's my guy. As far as tight ends, I do like Bryson Hopkins. He's my top guy. But if I had to pick somebody that just really kind of grabbed me, it might be Jacob Breland out of Oregon. He's my number four. Because, again, you kind of look at it and you're like, all right, technically this guy's better at this and this and this, and that translates, so okay, I'll put him ahead. But Jacob Breland, when I watched him, was like, dude, I like this guy. So that's what I'm talking about. And that's what I want to, before we move on to me going through my defensive tackles, I just want to encourage you, just pick a position, wide receiver, whatever. Grab 5, 10, 20, 50 guys, I don't care, and just go watch one game each. You don't even have to finish it. If you think you got it down, like, okay, I get the point, especially if it's real low on the list and he's just not very good and he's not expected to be good because he's number 20 on the list and he's getting blown off the ball as a defensive tackle, has no pass rush ability and... Okay, I think we get the point. Halfway through this game, got it, good, boom. Write down a few notes and just work through it until you find that guy. And just just go in the group and tell me who that guy is. In fact, I'm going to go in the Facebook group right now and do a little post about it. And you put underneath that post, who's your guy? By the way, I do have a uh, NFL Draft Facebook group. I'm going to put it in there as well. The name of the group is just NFL Mock Draft. So if you're not in that group, join that group. If you're into mock drafts, draft, whatever. But I want you to do, because that, look, that's that's where we're at right now. It's draft time, man. Embrace it. All right, done. It's posted. Go enjoy. Why don't we take another break, and then I'll give you my list of 20 defensive tackles. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so I got two guys in my don't want column, and I got to work on my tiers. Again, this is my first year kind of doing this. I got to work on this a little bit, but uh, don't want is pretty simple. I just, I don't see any purpose in drafting these guys. Number, well, number 20 technically is Robert Landers out of Ohio State. He was already number 20 out of the list of 20, so I think that was a perfect spot to put him. 6'1", 285. The biggest problem, when you hear 6'1", 285, you're thinking Jerry Tillery, you're thinking Ed Oliver. If you're going to be that small and play inside, you better be really quick, twitch, all this stuff. But, I mean, the guy just, he's not doing anything. He just gets thrown around like a rag doll. And the the bottom line is, even if you are 6'1", 285, and you can rush the passer, you better not be getting thrown around like you're nothing. Because you cannot play defensive tackle and not have some ability to hold up against an offensive lineman. He just can't. The only other guy I put in my don't want is actually, uh, he's number 12 overall on my big board. So I have, obviously am a lot lower on him than most, but it's Laurel Murchison, NC State, 6'2", 294. He seems fine in terms of holding up, but at under 300 pounds, this guy, literally, when he's running, he looks like his legs are in casts. Like his, his legs, his knees don't bend. He is the slowest person I've ever seen in my life. I ended up watching two games because it's like, I don't know how... 
how he's so high. I don't get it. So I, I thought maybe I just watched a bad game, which by the way, that does change a lot of stuff. Some of these guys, and I'll, I'll get in more in depth on that, especially for defensive tackle, it kind of depends. Like what depends, what kind of a defensive tackle are you and what kind of an opponent are you going to go up against? If you're really good against the run and terrible against the pass and you go against and play against a team that just throws the ball nonstop, you're going to look kind of terrible because your job is to get to the quarterback and you can't. And so if that's the case, and if they're just passing, 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 and I don't see any running downs, I'm going to have to watch a second game. But I watched a second game with Laurel, and I didn't see anything. Uh, next up tier, I just put serviceable. In other words, I could I could maybe see you not being terrible, but I'm not super interested. Bottom of that list is Tyler Clark. He's number 19 overall. He's my number 18. The only really good thing about him, and there's several of these guys, they're, they're, they're built like, I don't know if you ever watched Terrible Terry Tate on YouTube, just built like a monster. I mean, it looks like Lawrence Taylor. I mean, they, they the, the days of, and there's several guys that are like this, the days of just these big fat dudes who got a lot of muscle underneath, but you can't see it. That's just, oh, I mean, this guy just looks scary. But the biggest problem is I don't see any speed. I don't really see any real pass rush ability. And he has zero desire to chase anyone. And that is, that is a big factor. I know it, it's it's all about technique and all this stuff, but I'm, I'm watching a lot of stuff. It's, it's a lot of the nuance of how much passion and heart do you have. And I like guys, same with Mike Pettin, who just have this hunt instinct. They just, they want to get you. They want, I mean, some of these guys, there are other guys, when they go to tackle, they look hesitant. That might seem small and insignificant, but that's a big deal for me. Dude, there are other guys, when they're barely within reach, they're going to grab you. They're going to do whatever they can to just bring you down. Some of these guys, it's like, oh, I can't believe I'm here. What do I do? And they slowly go up and kind of bring them down. And it's like, what are you doing? Go get them. And so I'm not saying that's Tyler Clark, but, you know, just that desire to play to the whistle and go attack, and, I mean, it drives me nuts. I give a little bit of leeway to corners when they don't come flying up into a pile to come tackle somebody, but for the most part, especially if you're a linebacker or a defensive tackle and you just don't want to just go hit somebody, that really bothers me. Um, 17, another guy I'm very low on. He's number 8 on the consensus board. I have him 17th is Richard Lawrence out of LSU, six foot two, two hundred or 308 pounds. Really just think he's the same as Clark, the guy we just talked about. He looks real big, looks real imposing. Kind of, I was kind of excited at first, but just really wildly ineffective. You know, he's doing stuff that looks cool, but do something. You know, finish something. Actually get past the offensive lineman. Actually get the quarterback. Actually make a tackle. It's cool that you're holding up the offensive lineman, but then the guy runs right past you. You can't disengage and tackle. That's a problem. Uh, number 16 is number 17th overall, Bravion Roy, Baylor, uh, nose tackle, 6'1", 320, and this is one of those guys that I was talking about. You can see the power at times, but I don't see like 320-pound power. Um, he's not immovable, and I, you know, it's sort of unfair when you're talking about double teams, and I try to break it up. How do you handle double teams? How do you handle singles? But if you're 6'1", 320, and you're never going to get me a sack, you better be able to handle doubles, and he can't. Go watch him against Oklahoma. They moved him at will, and sometimes it's one-on-one. And guys are pushing them down the field. That's wildly unacceptable. For a position that is already undervalued because you're just a run defender, you better be very good as a run defender, and he's just not. And and as I'm talking about, I probably should have just put him in the don't want category, but 6-1-3-20, maybe he can do something. I don't know. That brings me to Benito Jones. Very, very similar. 6-1-3-21. The expectation is you can't be moved. He does do a better job than Roy, and he does have a hint of pass rush potential somewhat fast for a guy that's 321 but I'm just overall not a really huge fan. He doesn't do as good of a job at that, and I don't expect him to actually be a pass rusher at 321, despite the fact that kind of think maybe he's got a little potential, he's a little bit of speed. Let's be realistic. He's 321, he's not going to be a pass rusher. How well can you hold up against double teams? How much? How disruptive are you against the run? And he just wasn't very. 
Uh, my number 14, I was a little bit higher on. He's the 16th overall. Is Khalil Davis out of Nebraska, six foot two, three oh five. Almost dropped him down a tier. So by the way, we did move up a tier. This is my potential tier. Potential usually just means I don't think they're going to be studs, but there's some little flash or something there to where I could see if if it turns out that you ends up being a really good football player. I could kind of see it. This is where most players on my board fall because everybody has a little bit of something. And that's kind of the MO of Khalil Davis. There's flashes. Right? For the most part, he's just getting banged around. He's not doing anything. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see a flash of speed or a flash of power. He's very inconsistent, but he doesn't really get dominated. He just gets stuck a lot. So that that's one of those things where you're looking at a guy that maybe just needs some coaching. He has the speed. He has the power to do something. He just usually doesn't. So I'm not a big fan, but if he gets coached up to be a decent enough football player, I guess I wouldn't be all that shocked. Uh, my number 13 overall is number 10 on the board, so I was a little bit lower on, is Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State. Six foot four, 327, big, big boy, fantastic build, decent sp- size considering he's almost 330, or excuse me, decent speed considering he's almost 330. But overall, again, just kind of bland. Right? I mean, I, I just need to see something. You are a big, strong, dominant dude. Go out and play like it. And if your job is to just kind of stand up and not be able to really penetrate, you're not pushing the guy backward. You're not getting moved backwards, but you're not pushing him backward. You're not really shedding blocks. You're not, it's just kind of, you know, okay, whatever. And again, at 327, go move somebody. Even if you can't get to the quarterback, that's fine, but just show me you're bigger and stronger than the guy in front of you. I didn't see that. Uh, one of the biggest, biggest things, and this is one where I'm probably going to get beat up, but I just, I was excited to watch him because I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about him. He's my number 12. He's number five overall on the big board. So most people are very, very high on him. I am just not. And that is Justin Matabuike out of Texas A&M, 6'3", 304. Again, maybe it's a situation where I just watched the wrong game. But again, it's almost the exact same thing as Devon Hamilton. And really, I just put him above him because, first of all, he's 304 instead of 327. So if either if one of these guys is going to be a pass rusher, it's going to be Matabuike. Secondly, he's number five overall, so I'm assuming he's probably going to be better. So it's just a calculated judgment there. But I just, I didn't see anything special, right? He's, he's not getting moved. He's not getting pushed around. He's not getting beat up on. But he's not dominating anybody. Uh, number 11, which is also number 11 on the consensus board, so we're dead even on that, is Mr. Jason Stowbridge out of North Carolina, 6'4", 267 pounds. Obviously terrifying when I see a defensive tackle at 267. We've got edge rushers bigger than that. Um, he's very similar to McTelvin Agim, who we're not there yet, but I kind of went in a, you know, my notes, see, this is why my notes are all mad. I said he's very similar to a Gim, and we haven't gotten to a Gim yet. But I really did like watching. So, he's got the tools, but he's unpolished. That's my note on a Gim. There's certain times when I like him, but he's got some work to do. And again, he's going to be lower because he's 267, which means he's going to be asked to get bigger. And then what happens when he gets bigger? Is he going to be as athletic? That that brings us to my number 10, who is McTelvin again, who's number 14 on the consensus board. So I'm a little bit higher on him. One of the things I like about him is he's been, and I was a little biased toward guys that remind me of, of Packard, and he did. He's built like a pack, and the biggest thing, he's got that hunt instinct, man. When he gets through there, when he's got a little bit of a crack that he's able to get through and he realizes that the only thing between him and this quarterback is this this guard's left arm trying to hold you back but not hold, and he's just pushing. He wants him bad. I like that. The biggest problem I had with him is he, he's, he's, I mean, again, very unpolished. He's got a good first step, and he tries to win with that first step. But if it doesn't work, almost every time, the weirdest thing, he's got this shoulder push thing, like like you trying to push a fridge, you know, how you kind of like get sideways and, and dig down and push your shoulder into it. He, he defaults to that. Like if he gets stuck, he turns sideways and tries to push you with his shoulder. It's obviously completely ineffective and nonsensical, and that needs to be coached out of him. 
Uh, at number nine is also the consensus. Number nine, Lecky Fotu out of Utah, 6'5", 337, real big boy. The interesting thing, and I was really torn on what to do with him, he's six foot five, 337 pounds. He looks like he's no more than 300 pounds. He looks lean. So he's one of those big, I mean, he's six foot five Samoan guys, and those guys are just built like brick. So you figure he can hide 337 like he's, but it's, it's impressive. You get a guy that just looks big and jacked, and you find out he's 337 pounds, that's impressive. He's got a lot of agility. He's got some decent speed. So all that together is like, dude, 6'5", 337, and he's agile. That's exciting. The problem is he's 337, and he doesn't have the, the, the power and the thump of a guy you would expect to be when he's 337. Legitimately, the biggest guy on this entire list as far as his weight. And, I mean, being 6'5", also is pretty massive. And so that's the only reason why it's just kind of iffy. Like, why isn't he stronger at 6'5", 337? But, I mean, he's one of those... I mean, he... he if he was just a little bit more dominant, he'd be very high on this list because you get a 6'5", 337-pound guy with that much agility. And I'm not talking about Ed Oliver type agility, but I'm just assuming he's 337, he shouldn't move that fast. So again, I could see him being something special, but just watching him, forgetting his height and weight and all that stuff, it's just kind of meh. I would have assumed he's a 290-pound guy that's agile but not super strong. And so the 337 is confusing. Another guy that I am very, very low on is actually the number three on the consensus board. He's consensus number three overall defensive tackle. I have him eight. I don't even have him in my upper tier. And that is Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, six foot two, three oh four. I mean, I, I think it's really just the the type. He's a big athletic pass rusher. The problem I have with him, and, and there's a lot of guys that play like this, is that he's ath- he's athletic, but he's just kind of reckless and wild. And the the thing is, I think with Neville Gallimore, you're gonna have guys that go watch a highlight film, and I bet he's going to have a ton because he's one of those guys that's just going to fly past people. He's going to do some crazy stuff. He might even end up in a game with two sacks. The problem is, what is he doing between those plays? I'm seeing a lot of real ugly. He wants to win. He wants to do his spin move. He wants to be wild and reckless, but a lot of time he just ends up like chest to chest with people. He's trying to do all this swatty, crazy stuff, but he doesn't just extend his arms and try to win with his hand. He's trying to be too cute, and the problem is you, you get a guy trying to do spin moves on a run play or, or there's stuff going on. He's turning his back to people because all he's trying to do is beat this guy in front of him and get sacks all the time. Dude needs to just calm down, relax. Actually reminds me a good amount of Gerald Willis but maybe less athletic. Gerald Willis, I don't know, what even happened to Gerald Willis? Oh, he went undrafted. I, I spent, Gerald Willis was a guy that was seen as a very good football player. It, some people will remember how much of a tirade I went on. If you've been listening for a long time about how much I really disliked Gerald Willis. He was seen as a maybe a third round pick, second round pick, whatever, but he just didn't do anything. He was wild and he was reckless and he was fast and everything was just fast movements, but he wasn't actually accomplishing anything. Turns out the guy went undrafted to the Baltimore Ravens. He also got released by Baltimore and then picked up by Miami. Apparently he's the younger brother of uh, Landon Collins. I don't know how that works, but uh, there you go. But anyways, that's kind of where I'm at with Neville Gallimore. A lot of activity going on, but not a lot actually happening. The final guy on my potential tier, I am a lot higher on him than a lot of people. He was number 18, so the third worst on the consensus board as far as the top 20 goes. I have him seventh, and that's Robert Windsor out of Penn State. 6'5", 287. Big part of the reason he's getting a Petten bump. 6'5", 287 has got Mike Petten written all over. Maybe he'd need to be a little bit bigger, but, I mean, that's Dean Lowry. right? Big, tall, long-armed, lean guy. And he just does a great job using his length, which is something Petten loves. He talked about He's talked about that with his edge rushers, his defensive linemen. He likes long arms that can get in a guy's chest so that he can control the guy. That's what Petten likes. By the way, it's exactly what I like. 
He does get stuck at times, but he shows some real good pass rush ability, some great speed to finish when things are going right. I would say he's 50-50 against the run in terms of his ability to win. He's, he's just, he, I, I just like him. I don't know why everybody else doesn't like him. I like him. I think he's a good fit for what Pettin wants and likes. I understand he's he's a little raw, but I don't know. Just get your hands in somebody's chest and control them, and that's that's all I'm asking you to do. And if you got a little bit of speed and you got a little bit of hunt in you, I'm all for it, man, and that's Robert Windsor. Finally, the quote-unquote my guys tier, which I should probably stop calling it that because some of these guys I don't super care for. It's just sort of the upper tier. The bottom of that list, but somebody I actually very, very much like is Raekwon Williams, Michigan State. The biggest knock against Raekwon. So there were people that I decided not to watch their tape against Wisconsin because I'm like, dude, it's Wisconsin offensive line. This is going to be really bad tape. But I watched Raekwon against Wisconsin. He dominated Wisconsin. He dominated Wisconsin's offensive line, and I was blown away. And then I thought, all right, well, if he can do that, I'm going to go watch him against, I think it was Arizona State, and see if he just dominates them. He was useless. Why? Because Arizona State just throws the ball, and Wisconsin just runs the ball. Bottom line is, if you want a guy that's going to play really well against the run, Raekwon is that guy. 6'4", 304 pounds out of Michigan State. Really, really impressive what he was able to do against that Wisconsin offensive line. I would say that this is a guy that was built to play the 49ers. That's That's all I can say. By the way, Raekwon is 13th on the overall board. He's my number six. My number five is the number seven consensus, so I'm a little bit higher on him. Mr. Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, 6'4", 315. really like him. Another big, long-arm guy. The, the one thing I really like, though, he's got a really high motor. I just, I love that. Just don't stop. Keep going after him, and he doesn't quit. Uh, the other thing, he's not going to get held up forever. So a lot of these guys, they just get stuck. And when they're stuck, they're just stuck, and you might as well just move on to the next play. This guy's going to keep trying, and he's going to keep trying, and he's going to get past you eventually. He's violent, he's fast, not overly consistent, but I could definitely see him becoming a good player. My number four is the consensus number four, Mr. Ross Blacklock, TCU, six foot four, three oh five. Honestly, really did not care for him at first and almost dropped him, but he grew on me really fast. He is a double team eating monster at six foot five, which is the funny thing. You got guys at all different sizes that do different stuff. I got a three hundred and thirty seven pound guy that's all speed and no power. I got 320-pound Bravion Roy getting pushed all over the place, and I got a 305-pound guy that's eating up double teams like they're nothing. He kind of seems slow and lumbering, but you watch him. When he gets one-on-one with that quarterback, he can close. So when he's beating the guy, you know, right off the line, and it's just him and the quarterback, he'll get there fast. Again, that's sort of that hunt thing. There's just another gear. There's this part of their brain that just gets activated when it's just them and the quarterback, and they just chain. That speed that they don't have, suddenly they have it. The other funny thing about him is he's, he's a he's a hand fighter. He looks like a ninja when he's trying to beat people. But it is I mean, I don't know how much of it is effective. Some of it's probably just wild slapping at nothing. But he does do a really good job constantly using his hands to get people's hands off of him so that he can get inside. I think he does a pretty good job with that. He's not just standing there trying to push. My number three is the number two on this list. I'm not overly excited, and I actually was willing to put him a lot lower. But he obviously he's one of the most athletically gifted people in this class. I got Javon Kinlaw. I just, he just does not meet the hype in my mind. And I understand he was dominant in the senior bowl and people are freaking out and people that liked him now are vindicated. Now everybody that didn't like him is changing their opinion because they feel like this is a fact now because he was good in the senior bowl against subpar competition. I get it, man. You watch his get off at the line and he's just incredible. At 6'5", 315 pounds, he moves really quickly. He's not lightning fast like an Ed Oliver, like chasing people down from behind, but just that really quick, that real solid quickness. And then occasionally you got a situation, like I, I put it once every 10 snaps or so, he takes a tackle or a guard or a center and just throws him straight on his back. There's this weird power that he's got. But again, it's it's take away the highlights. What is he doing in between? He's routinely blown off the ball like he's not there. He has zero ability to take on double team. 
which is fine. I mean, you got to put them in a certain situation, but would I trust them on a third and one? No, I would not. Now, again, maybe it's one of those one in 10 times where he blows a guy back and blows up the play, and it's like, whoa, Javon is the man. But there's a better chance that he's just going to get knocked out like he's nothing. So I like Javon. And if it wasn't for everybody's super high hype, if he was like number 15 on the list, I would have had him way up and been like, dude, this is my guy. He's a freak. I love him. The problem is he's talked about as as like a a no-brainer top 10 pick. I don't see that at all. I get that everybody loves pass rushers, and I get that he's super fast, and and maybe twice a game he's going to take out an offensive lineman like he's not there because he's got this really rare speed and power thing going on. But in between those reps, I just don't respect it. Number two is the number six on the consensus. I've been super high on this guy since last year. He's one of my favorites. He is, quote-unquote, my guy, and that's Raquan Davis out of Alabama. If he was a slightly better pass rusher, he would be my default number one. Six foot seven, 312 pounds, and the bottom line is he's just he's bigger and stronger than everybody. He's the strongest guy in the field. Occasionally, when he doesn't use his ridiculously long arms, somebody gets inside of his chest, he's stuck. He gets too anxious, he's trying to push, and that's just not what he does. But when he gets his hands on people, he's not controllable. He's going to go where he wants to go, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. He's a freight train. And I would say that he's a little bit underrated as a pass rusher. As many times as you might see Javon do something crazy, you can see Raekwon grab a guy's shoulder, shut him to the side, and go get the quarterback. In fact, the, the game I was watching, go type in Raekwon Davis' verse, I think is the top video. Go watch that one. There's a great play of him like shedding two blocks as he runs down along the line to make a tackle, as though he's a linebacker. And then a little bit later, there's like back-to-back quarterback hit. I think he gets one of them as a sack, and you think, oh, that's a fluke. The very next play, he does the exact same thing. He blows past the guy, and he almost gets to the quarterback. So I'm I'm all in on Raekwon, man. I love Raekwon. And then finally, number one is Derek Brown. Again, I'm not nearly as high on Derek Brown as I was on, for example, Quinnen last year. Not as high on him as, you know, even Jeffrey Simmons. But this is a calculated step because you can see a lot. I mean, he's sort of like, he's kind of like Javon, but less, I mean, he's much better against the run. He can take double teams like Javon can't. He plays much more consistently against the run. He's not as highly athletic, but I mean, he's got raw power like nobody else, which I love. But the problem is it's inconsistent. If he did it more often, he would definitely be one of my guys. I mean, when you see a guy literally sack a quarterback with a guard, because he grabbed the guard, pushed him back into the quarterback, which I I think Raekwon did that last year, by the way, which is why I think Raekwon kind of fell off a little bit with his highlight reel type stuff. But Raekwon was Derek Brown, in my opinion, last year. But Derek Brown is just, he's a, he's a very strong, very powerful guy. He is somebody I would trust on a third and one. He is somebody I would trust on a goal line. I think he's decent enough as a pass rusher just because he's raw power and he can blow some stuff up. He's, he's kind of like, he, he's... Maybe a better version of Raekwon, not quite as dominant with his hands, but just just pure power and, and some really nice technique. So I, I I wanted to put Raekwon higher, but I just couldn't do it because I think Derek Brown is going to be a better football player. Raekwon is probably going to be strictly relegated to stopping the run, but I do think he's going to be good at it. And I still do want him in Green Bay because I think you put him next to a guy like Kenny Clark and it's just going to be domination station. So anyways... There's my list. Top tier, Derek Brown, Raekwon Davis, Javon Kinlaw, Ross Blacklock, Jordan Elliott, and then Raekwon Williams. Potential tier is Robert Windsor, Neville Gallimore, Lecky Fotu, McTelvin Agim, Jason Stowbridge, Justin Matabuike, Devon Hamilton, Khalil Davis. My serviceable tier, Benito Jones, Bravion Roy, Richard Lawrence, Tyler Clark, and then my don't wants are Laurel Murchison and Robert Landers. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.